it's not pressure. It's I I know I've been meant to be here. I know like I have earned this. It was not by accident. We have worked with intention for years. This is where you're meant to be. Like I know it. I've never My best self is better than every single person who's gonna walk on that platform that Gosh, man, that was was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Today I am joined by one of my favorite repeat guests of the show, Danielle Gunnan. We first talked back in October 2020, and it's funny, back on that podcast, we talked about knowing that you belong, knowing that she belonged, but uh, this was before that she was on the podium at Pan Ams or having a shot to qualify for the Olympics or being paid to be a full-time athlete. She had that belief in herself long before anybody else really got to know who she was. And uh, I think sometimes when you follow people on Instagram, you expect them to have this persona and a lot of times they turn out to be different. I think just from meeting Danielle in person at various competitions, she is seriously so genuine and nice and it's so easy to like her and to want her to be successful. So I'm just so glad to get her on the podcast to hear a little bit inside of her mind how she prepares for competitions how she has been successful long before people have viewed her as one of the top athletes in the United States. Um, But it's clear that she is now, and uh, just glad for you guys to hear this. I hope you really enjoy it. I took a ton away from it. So let's shoot it there now. Have you done any um, other podcasts recently? Nope, I have not. Um, The only thing I've done recently was i did like an interview for the like final attempt documentary and that's about it okay sweet yeah i guess now now they're probably looking at you like maybe we should have been following her for a while um i don't know i guess like i think the like no one really knew what was gonna happen you know (laughs) no one knew i was gonna be able to cut down i didn't know i was gonna be able to cut down so no one really knew that i was even gonna be in the mix so including myself. So <laughs> what, what, uh, inspired that decision? Cause I know you, you made a post and I, I know you said that you were, you were telling people if they asked, but you weren't yeah. really putting it out there until pretty much a couple weeks out. Yeah. So I chose to not really publicize my first weight cut because I didn't know what was going to happen, um, with my body. Cause before, like I've competed as a 58, I did for years and, um, that was before the weight class changes and stuff. But I didn't want to put it out there and then like say fail at something, you know, like I'm not going to like, I will share my fails as I do, but um, I didn't want to like stir up anything, not knowing what was going to happen. So, and because you know, people are always going to make things into things. So I was waiting to see what my body did, if it would go or not. Cause I thought I was too lean as a 64. I was nervous that I wasn't able to get down. I tried to get back to a 58, 59 early 2019, like January, 2019, when I decided I was going to like pursue weightlifting, I'd done my first 200 total. And I was like ready to like push. And I, my body stopped at like 60 and wouldn't move. And I wasn't using, like, I was just doing like eating healthy ish and I didn't really know how to cut. And so I just was like, well, my body doesn't want to go. I'm not going to force it. So I just have stayed above 60 because my body didn't want to go 
So I was afraid with the cut that I would plateau at 60. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, she's supposed to be cutting down to 59. So there's a, there's a bee trying to get me. <laughs> so I didn't want to put it out there. And then my body saying, no, we're not doing it. So I was waiting to see what happened. And my body responded really well, as we've seen, went down no problems. So um, I think it's just been a, a major difference for me is having actually tracking macros. And I'd never done that before until last year. So that kind of set me up to know, like, no, I could do a cut. And um, but again, I didn't know what my body was going to do, if it's going to plateau, what was going to happen. So I just didn't say anything. Um, the only reason why we cut down, most people know, is just just so I could make teams. That was the only reason um, I was you know, trying to make teams since 2008. 19 like big teams and um missing it by one lift every time so this was my way of like i'm i'm not giving up on that dream so no you're good (laughs) (laughs) it's real i I wanted to ask that too like how do you have four dogs Uh, how do you do this i don't know (laughs) my limit was two Um, but God sent us a Bella. <laughs> I don't know. We had, we've had Atlas Hobie nine this year. And then we have Athena who's going to be six or seven this year. And so they were planned. And then Athena never really grew to be a big dog. She's only like 30 pounds, barely. I weighed them all this morning. Um, not cause they're on a weight cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to do, I want to try not, like, natural, like prepping their food. Um, I'm going full crazy mom. So I was getting their weights so I could prep that. Um, so she's little. And uh, my husband, Cord, had wanted a big dog. And uh, so we settled on when he was working from home, running the gym out of our garage. I was working like 12-hour shifts for my old job. And I was like, well, you're home. This dog is going to be yours. Because the other two were kind of more bonded just towards me. So he got him a kilo and um that was supposed to be it and then bella stopped us last summer in the street asking us to rescue her and she had a collar on but like it wasn't registered i couldn't i literally went on like tax records like i went in a deep dive trying to find this person and they're nowhere and no one was looking for her. i posted i couldn't find anyone who wanted like i didn't try to sell her she was going to stay with us or she was going to go home. That's that was, those were the options because she just fit right in and she was very, very attached to my husband. So now we have a Bella. So we have four and she's only about 44 pounds. They all look bigger in pictures. So we have like two smallish dogs and then two big dogs. So, okay. It's yeah. crazy to me. Like having one, I'm like, I don't know how people Wait, do it. Is crazy. <laughs> you he also, is crazy. He's a doodle, right? Yep. Yes, that's why he's insane. Those dogs are so goofy. Yeah, he's an absolute nut. We just we just went for a run before this, and we sat outside for a while, so he should be good. Yeah, we were buying a pressure washer. So that's what that's what took. That's what I was a few minutes late. Cause they took forever to get it. But no, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. When you um, so the weight cut before yeah. you weren't doing any th- any tracking. You were just kind of eating whatever you felt like eating. I'm- healthy ish. You said. Uh, ish yeah like I've never I was just doing intuitive eating I was eating what I felt like I needed so I knew roughly how much protein like how many grams of protein I needed and then like I would eat about like a like a family pack of rice or something like I just 
ate roughly chicken and rice for the most part because I just didn't have time to cook. So that's just what got made. Um, and then I started tracking macros after the Arnold in uh, 2022, 2022. They, yeah, it's been almost a year. So they came on. They asked if I to sponsor me. And I was like, you know what? That's like the one thing I don't have is I don't, I don't track nutrition. I don't have a coach for nutrition and I never have. I've always just kind of like, like I said, just, I haven't had to cut weight or I haven't like needed it. So it's like, you know what? This is the missing piece. Let's do this. And I've had a friend who worked for RP um, and he's very, very smart and does lots of research. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to pair with any company, I think this is the one for me. So I did it and I just used like their basic app. And uh, this is not an ad. I'm just letting you know how I did <laughs> how I did it. I started using it just to, I went into a straight into a bulk because I didn't know what was in store the rest of the year. So I went to a bulk and for my first time ever. And I mean, I was force feeding. I felt miserable and my body comp was still pretty great. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this macro thing. Like you don't just have to get like fat and strong. Like I still like I felt chunky, but I also knew like, I, you could still see my abs and I was weighing like 67 kilos. Um, that was the heaviest I could get my body up to. And then I did a, a cut back down to 64 and my body was very happy just sitting at 63. Uh, not intentionally. That's just where it went. And then that was about when we got the news that my weight class that 64 got pulled from the Olympics was after our nationals or right around nationals. So we, I would just kind of held in maintenance there. I did not want to do another bulk. <laughs> it, was so, it wasn't bad. It just was miserable. So I just held there and at 63 and waited to see, you know, I was only eight pounds off. What's eight pounds? And we got to thinking on it. And we're like, well, maybe. I mean, what, why not try? Just try. So then around, I think it was like September, I was, I was sitting like 10 to 12 pounds over. And uh, we called Mike Gatone. We said, hey, we think we want to cut down. Um we want to make sure we only do it when we need to. We're not going to do any extra unnecessary cuts. Do we go now or do we wait till the Arnold? Like meaning, do we do it for finals or do we need to wait? And he said, you need to go ahead and qualify for teams. Don't, you know, don't wait till the Arnold. So we said, okay. And I went on a cut doing a pound a week and I accidentally got down to 57 kilos. My first cut, <laughs> um, I did not do that on purpose. It just, it went and I did some macro decreases that I shouldn't have that I didn't know. Like, it's my first cut. I was just following my app, and it said, you should decrease. So I did. And that's so you can get the results. It's not necessarily for, like, making weight the day of. It's for averaging at that weight. So I was averaging at 59 or 50. I think it was, like, 58.5 is what I put in. So my first cut, I cut too much, but it didn't affect anything. Like, I didn't feel weak or anything like that. I was still eating like the day of competition, I ate like of finals, I had like five pieces of French toast and eggs. And then I weighed in like it was all and I had a later weigh in, but I was still able to eat like normal and not have to sit there and sauna the day of because I did practice that. So like I like to control the controllable. So on the cut I was doing, I would like sauna or take a hot bath before my heavy sessions to like mimic just in case. So that way I would know exactly how my body would feel on competition day. And I didn't have any loops thrown at me. Um, but yeah, so the first cut, cut too much on accident. Um, and then my last cut for Pan Am's was very smooth. I learned from the first one. 
And so I was able to time it out almost perfectly to where I didn't hit like 59.0 until the day before. And then I hit, I weighed in at 58.1. And <laughs> I, I think I was eating, I had a plate full of eggs and chicken and like four pieces of toast that morning as well before weighing in at 58. So body seems to do okay with the cut, but, and I'm not in too much of a deficit or anything like that. I'm not like, I've seen people on cuts who get like five grams of carbs and stuff. Like we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm still able to eat um, normally ish. Was there any thoughts of going to 71 or it was just you were cutting as soon as you, I know you said you couldn't get past 67, but like, did, was that even an option or you're like, no, I'm not. My lifts are not strong enough yet. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, I could maybe try not to die on snatch, but clean and jerk. I just, it's not developed far enough yet. My strength is not where theirs is on clean and jerk. Um, and so being realistic, there's, it's also stacked. Why am I going to, you know, if I knew my body had been a 58 before, so I knew it could go there. I just didn't know what would happen doing it. Um, and going up, you're putting yourself in the mix with Meredith, Olivia, Kate, and anyone else, like anyone else. There's, I mean, I'm forgetting people. I know I am, but those are the, you know, the top three right now that are Olympic eligible. And why am I? I love competition, but I also know my place <laughs> and I'm not putting my name in that hat with the, that many girls who I know are just more developed than I am. I'm years, you know, a few, couple years behind them and lots of years older than all of them. Um, so, you know, it's 30 versus a 19 year old Olivia who's got way more in the tank. Let's, let's be smart. I, I know I only have a few years left in the sport. So going down and just trying to go tit for tat and just making a team like I didn't my goal was never to come down and beat anyone it was just to make the team so it wasn't that I had to beat Taylor or anything like that it was I just want to join her that's what it has been since day one I just wanted to make teams <laughs> that was the way we did it. <laughs> do you feel like the pressure has built since you're now in the mix, like you were just trying to get there. And then now you're proving to yourself that you're, you're there plus more you're winning. Like, do you feel more pressure on yourself or it's just kind of since you went in, like just hoping to make it, it like, does it feel just more sweet? I just, I'm taking the way I'm looking as I'm taking it minute, like minute to minute, like memory by memory. Like I, this is something we've worked for for three years and dreamed of for three years. And so like Argentina, like Pan Am's was like surreal to me. It was just like, I had the absolute perfect prep. I was, I literally was looking at cord, like something is going wrong. Like I didn't miss any snatches while I was in Argentina, except for one Oh three on the platform. I missed zero. And same thing for clean and jerks. I only missed my last clean and jerk attempt. I did not miss anything in warmups training nothing and I was like something is wrong like this is not it's too good um but I also believe part of that is just it's not pressure it's I I know I've been meant to be here I know like I have earned this it was not by accident we have worked with intention for years and been counted out or it there's just been dealt shitty cards you know but I know my capabilities and I know my, my strength threshold 
And we're just tapping into that. We're just now finally healthy enough and making the teams we want to while we're healthy enough. Like I could not have asked for anything more. And that is what we're looking at this year. You know, I just have to stay healthy. That's it. And I know we have fought battles with injuries in the past and we know how to recognize those at this point. And I think all of the adversities and the, the tough trials we've faced kind of showed us, okay, this is when not to push. This is when to stop. This is where we need to be to perform our best. And I think that's why Pan Ams went the way it did. We have learned enough about my body and how it responds to training and, and what my weaknesses are and where, you know, exactly what we need to do. And so I don't, I don't feel pressure. I feel excitement because I do best when I'm able to compete. And it got to a point in the 64 class at the national level, like I didn't get to compete anymore. I was just showing up and making lists and it's like, cool. Like that's, you want to beat yourself always. Right. But like, I'm an athlete. I'm here to compete. So you're not going to change my mind. Like people say all the time, you know, your biggest competition is yourself. Well, no, like if someone else can do it, why can't I, you can prove to me that I can be better and vice versa. So while people try to disassociate things, right. They don't want to put pressure on themselves by what other people are doing. I see that. And I see possibilities. I don't feel pressure or less than it's, well, why can't I do that too? Um, so I think having that mindset and how I look at those things, I'm, I'm so excited for this year. I don't feel, I don't feel pressure. I feel excitement of, I get to compete against like-minded individuals and girls who are just as strong as I am. And I haven't been able to do that at that level or at my level where I've been in like a little, like weird bubble in between <laughs> for the last like year or two. Um, and so it's, I don't know, I, it's more excitement, I think, than pressure for me. It must be tough, too. Like, I saw you compete live for the first time at the Arnold, mm -hmm. and it's basically you get to the point where if you make a lift, you win. Yep. So I'm sure that, like, that... That wasn't the case at the Arnold. I at least had Maddie. To, that was, mm -hmm. I, I purposely declined the rogue stage at the Arnold just so I could compete with her um, because I wanted competition. I didn't want to be in my bubble, you know, but... Sorry, that was side side topic. No, no, I love it. What's um like? I kind of love to hear because watching that session live, there it's silent. Like you come out and everybody is just everybody's got their phones out. Like it, you can hear a pin drop, and then yeah. as soon as you make a lift, like everybody goes crazy. But like, how do you practice for that? Do you have anything that you do at the gym where you feel like you get ready for an environment like that? I don't hear or see anyone out there. I don't know who's watching me. I don't, none of it. Um, my thing, I like training alone. Um, I know a lot of people don't like that. Um, I prefer to be able to focus in on myself because to me, even when I'm competing, it's just me in the bar. That's it. Um, like I don't, sometimes I hear cord, um, but for the most part, I'm just in my head and my thoughts and not necessarily my thoughts. I'm in my movement. Um, but I don't, my reactions, all of that, none of that is choreographed or planned. Like it is all just a genuine reaction and just, I'm, I'm out there to lift a barbell. I'm not out there to perform. I'm not out there to like put like some people like interact with the crowd and see them and stuff like that. And like, 
I can only tell you roughly who my center ref is. And that's about it. That's the only person I'm really paying attention to, obviously, because like they're the one that tells you to put it down. And when I let out like a big F, yeah, at Pan Ams, I was looking at him. I was like, please don't speak English and know what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the only person I really see is after the fact. It's after I've made the lift. I will like make eye contact with them just to like ensure I'm getting the down signal in terms of like everyone around me. I don't hear any of that. Like I watched back, I'll watch back videos and I'll be like, Oh, I said that I yelled while I lifted that. And I don't even realize what I'm doing. So let alone paying attention to anyone else. Um, I just, I don't hear or see it. It's me in the bar with a side of cord. <laughs> Do you feel like there was a time when that switched over? Like you've gotten more experience as an athlete and felt like you can get into that flow state? Because it sounds like you're describing a flow state. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely a shift in how I competed in the last, like, I would say end of 20, I wouldn't even say 2019. I would say 2020, 2021, I figured out how to compete. And, I, and before that, like, no one knew who I was. So I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't have fans in the crowd or anyone like, um, so for me, I didn't have that. So I like, I didn't have to deal with anyone knowing who I was and being nervous about how many people were there. I will say the first time I felt it and it made me very nervous was American Open finals in 2021. Um, it was me and Hunter um, going kind of tit for tat. We were on snatches and it was my first time attempting 103 for the American record and the roar that was let out in the room when I called for it, like, or when Cord called for it, but like, it was called for me and you hear Danielle Gunn in 103 and, um, you could just, I had chills go through my body and I'd never felt that before when I was lifting and I was like, Oh no, bring yourself up. We ain't doing that. <laughs> bring it down. And I went out there and that was when my shoulder subluck, it, it came out and back in on that lift. And I really think part of it, I had had nerve damage, so I think that was part of it. But I think that, you know, that mind-body connection, the muscle that had the nerve damage, I had never had a sublux or any issues. Like, we were nine months past, you know, that injury, and it was not something that should have happened. But I think in that moment, because I had a CNS overload and, and like, a stimulation overload, I think things just didn't work as efficiently, and that's, like, what eventually led to my injury. Um, that's just my thoughts on it because I had never had instability issues, but I think that was like, I was already in the competitive mode then. And so I think that helped me work through it because I finished the competition and it, but that was the only time I've like felt nervous in a crowd I was calling for my first American record. Cause I'd never, I called for one before, but it was not like we were literally just putting on to see, to collect data, to see what my body would do, what my mouth would do was I going to go for it was I going to clerk it was I what was I going to do um but it was not it was in 2021 when there was no crowd so I didn't have that side of things so um that would be the only moment where I felt nervous per se and I kind of like like at the international level people don't know who I am still and so like especially like internationally like traveling and stuff like that I'm not gonna have fans come out so it's nice and, and like even other lifters don't know who I am so it's nice because I have that moment to adjust into these new shoes and um, not have to worry about anyone screaming and yelling. But again, it doesn't, I don't normally hear that when I'm 
at least up there. So I would say shift would be 2019 end of it, but I was just learning how to compete. That was, I was learning how to flow and how to control is mainly getting over my own anxiety. It wasn't anything induced by other people. And you're competing for a long time before this. It's not like you just stepped yeah. on the platform a year before. No, not at all. It was just learning who I was as a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's ha like, you can read all the sports psychology books and you, you can do all this, all this research, I think, but until you're, until you're there and until you kind of can bring yourself into the moment, like it's going to be really hard to replicate that. Yep. And that's what, like, I would say control the controllable. So like, I'll put my ear pods in, like, and I'll even practice with them in as well. And I'll be in the gym by myself. I'll put them in <laughs> um, just because I want to mimic exactly what I'm going to feel like on the day of. And to me, what I have done with my brain is when I put my AirPods in, I'm by myself. I'm sitting like there's no one around me. Like that is my, I put up a room. And so I'm able to like, when I go to competitions, like I can put my AirPods in and there's no one else around me. Literally like, I don't know if you watched Pan Ams, but I'm bebopping my head like a maniac in the corner. And I didn't even know I was doing that. But that was me. I'm by myself. I'm in my, I'm listening to my music. I'm, you know, in my zone. And there are like those playlists, obviously you go to, to get in the mindset and get in the mood, like zone or whatever. But like, for me, it's AirPods are in. That's my, like, I guess, tactic, I guess, to control the environment and get in the flow state. It's to mimic as much of competition as I can. What other factors, like besides music, like what else do you think that you can, what, what can people do in the gym that mimics the competition? Um, you can't ever mimic a competition environment perfectly. Um, but like for me, some adjustments were like cameras and stuff. Um, like at the international level, they will be at like the corner of your platform, like getting like the first angle, like but from the front and you're like, well, hello. <laughs> and it's like a TV here. camera. It's yes. like a big camera. Yeah. Um, it's not that, a, it's not like a happen, cannon. It didn't happen at Pan Am's, but I remember it happening at Grand, it happened at Grand Prix when I competed back in 2019. And it made me so nervous having someone right at the corner of my platform. I'm like, get away from me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so then everything was forwards in my lifting because I was so forward focused on what was around me. And it was in front of me. So like this time, just to, just in case, um, some of my, my lifters, like teammates would jokingly like come to the edge of the platform and like put their iPhone up and be like, all right, Daniel Gunnan, first attempt and like mess with me. But I, I actually enjoyed it because it was one of those, like, if I can do it now and we're being lackadaisical and we're being silly about it, like when I'm in the moment, it's not going to bother me because I've been there, done that, felt it. Um, so that's like irrelevant to local comp competition or national, but like that's something different at international, like that you can try to control is, you know, set a camera up a little bit closer to you, put a tripod. It doesn't have to be a whole person. Um, and then like for me controlling, like I'll lift on bars that feel similar to whatever I'm going to be lifting on, hopefully um, for competition so just having a good quality barbell. Um, I try to load similar colors. So that way, like the visual aspect, it's I've seen this before. This feels normal. And just because like weight distribution is different. If you're loading 15 tens on there, that's going to feel different than if you have a 25 on there. <laughs> um, so I will compet like not fully competition load, but and I will try to change it up as well. Just so my brain doesn't get used to seeing the same thing. Um 
Then what else? I lift on a rogue platform because it has the square tiles on it versus our homemade platforms. Um, just because that's normally what you have in a warm up room. So leading up to competition, I make it a point to go lift on that one where I normally would try to like hop around platforms just to make sure I'm not only focused on like used to one surface and focusing on one spot. And I try to shift around the gym some, um, what else? I don't know. That's about it. I mean, I think that's good. Like the, the more that I think one thing, especially you see at like the series meets and even the, the higher levels could be just because there's such a big distribution between like the bottom tier and the top. So you might, if you're in a, if you're in a C or D session at like, say the American open series, you might have 15 minutes in between attempts where I feel like some people don't know that that's a possibility. Yeah. Like everybody, you do your two, three minute rest and then everything's like synchronized. And then all of a sudden you have 10 people who are taking the same exact weight as you. Oh yes. That was a big adjustment for me. Come like, cause I said, like I haven't had anyone to compete against per se. And so going from, all right, well, I know I'm gonna have one minute clocks or I know I might have, you know, these two girls can clean and jerk if they have a great day. Like, I'll at least have them after my first attempt to like break it up a little bit. And um, knowing that I haven't had to be on anyone else's clock in two years. So I, that was the biggest thing I was nervous about for Pan Ams was competing against light competition time-wise, not knowing how long I'm going to have in between my lifts. Like I've had the luxury of knowing exactly what I'm going into for years. And um, I liked the challenge, but like, so we did waves and we did, um, I did EMOM stuff just in case. And then, so I had a variety of like where I was waiting longer and then I was conditioned to like be ready to go as well. Like mentally is the biggest thing. Like you can condition your body, yes, but your body also, you don't know what's gonna happen. So you could say, oh yeah, I'm conditioned to go every minute on the minute, but what are you gonna do when you have like, I think I had ended up being a 10 to 15 minute wait in between my first attempt and my second. that was unplanned. So like Cord had told me, Hey, you need to go take a lift in the back as soon as I came off. And like something people didn't see. <laughs> I was actually running to the platform for my 116. Um, there was a big shuffle and things shifted as they do in competition. And um Cord had already I'd already taken my last form up, but like I was sitting in the back so it wasn't too crowded. And he said, Go ahead, come on up. And then it like not even 10 seconds later, he's like, Get up here, you're going. And I was like, What? Okay, and I had I had everything in my hands, but I was like, me and Taylor were sharing a warm-up platform. I was talking to her. I was like, good luck, you know, wishing her luck, giving a fist bump. Like, we did the same, like, that's just what we were doing. <laughs> and he's like, no, you, you need to go. And I was like, oh. So I, like, run up, and I, like, put my belt on, and it was like, by the time I get up there, it's already at, like, 40 seconds, 45 seconds or something. And he's like, because we were in the very, very back of the warm-up area. <laughs> and um, so I sprinted out, and I was like, ah, you know, like, my openers, like, we're always going to make sure – those are solid. And especially for this meet, because it was, you know, securing a total to secure my stipend, all the other stuff. There wasn't, this meet was more so about just hitting some markers rather than competing. Um, so I sprinted out, I hit 116 and I come off and Cord's like, all right, you're going to have a big weight. You're going to need to go take something in the back. And I'm like, like, I can't catch my breath. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to go sit down. I'm not okay. I can't, I do not want to lift right now. I don't, I just let me sit. And he was like, all right. 
well, then the wait ended up being a lot longer, but it was one of those, like, if one person made something, you were going to be up. Um, this is just happened to be what were happening. And it was just one of those, like, you just need to be ready and be tough and, and do it. And so I had a bigger weight and I'm not necessarily used to that, but the number we had on the bar, the 120 was like, it was my bomb out number from 2021. It was that number that I had a bone to pick with. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, no matter what happens, I'm not missing this lift. Like we're making it happen. And so I think that also, that helped me knowing like I had a big weight and it, my CNS was not primed by any means. And it was not a beautiful lift, but it was a made lift because I chose to be okay. I chose to, I want to make this instead of have excuses. Um, now, obviously like things do happen. You do, you know, I like, I have missed lifts before from waiting too long or not being primed. All of that happens, but sometimes it is just convincing your mind. You can do something. Um, you, and knowing, Hey, you've done it in training. You know, you've waited for long periods. You, I mean, five minutes, not 15, but just knowing you want the lift more than you want to miss it. <laughs> but that is another way to prep for it in the grand scheme of things. That's what I was getting at is at, you can do EMOMs, you can do waves, all of those things help you prep um, for what you might face the unpredictables of weightlifting. The mental toughness aspect is just super interesting to me because it's like, I mean, there is science behind it. There's a bunch of research, but at the same time, like if you're, if you, if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to be mentally tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can read the books, but if like, if you're not, I don't know, it's like, it's very hard because you, I don't think that you can, you can't really learn it, you know? Like until you put yourself in that situation, it's yep. just going to be really hard to, to mimic it. Yep. And, and like, you don't know how you're going to respond in every single environment. Like not every competition is the same, you know? Mm -hmm. So you don't know. I don't know. I have my toolbox and that's what I go to, but that's why I like these competitions. That's why I like the sport. There's always new levels to unlock and see how you're going to respond. From your Instagram, it just always looks like you're very intuitive with your body. And I mean, you've talked about it yeah. multiple times, like just even the way you deload. And I think just the, the presence that you have on social media, like you show that lifts aren't always going good. And, but yeah. you, you always seem to like, just d be able to dial it in. Like the f the further out from competition, maybe things don't look the best, but like you just continue to just keep chipping away. You know it's going to be there on game day. Yeah, because I know I can compete. <laughs> so I have had like the worst training, like training matters. I'm going to say that first, and then I'm going to say it doesn't matter on game day. <laughs> um, training is important, but nothing you do in training matters until game day. And so like we practice as much as we can leading up to, we try to plan as much as we can knowing like with my lifts, knowing what I need to do to build my confidence and for everyone that's going to be different. Um, and I don't want to tell like everything here uh, um, just because it can be telling. Um, so like we will, practice the exact, you know, warmups and all of that. My competition lifts, those are always going to change roughly based on, you know, what, what did I make? What there's always a plan A, B and C. Right. Um, but as far as warmups go, 
we've practiced the exact same jumps that I'm going to do in the back room for months leading up to this competition. So all of that has been planned out. So that eases your mind from those, like for me, from those thoughts of like, oh, well, I missed, you know, I missed 85 in warmups. Well, I'm like, well, I've missed 85 for the last six weeks. So it's a good <laughs> sign that I missed 85. Like there's always those numbers where your rhythm is just off. Um, so I think for me, I'm able to brush those off. And I've seen myself where I have not touched 100 kilos on snatch. And I've made 101 in competition. So I know what I've done. I know my history. And I know what I'm capable of. So for me, going into dialing it in on competition day, it's more so I have built the confidence in myself. And I'm not doing anything I haven't done before. And I've done it at some point in the last couple of years. And if I haven't, why not now? <laughs> um, that's been the theme. <laughs> so, Has your uh, relationship with USA Weightlifting changed at all now that, you know, it, like you're, you're there? Do um, they no. kind of – like how does, how does it even work with like – I mean going to the Olympics. Like you do need a lot of support, and I know – that you've quit your full-time job, like you've changed a lot of things around to to be in the position that you are, but what's kind of that relationship like? Um, so like all this is public knowledge. So if anyone wants, I'm not telling you anything you can't find. Um, so I know financial stuff people get weird about, but all of this is available under the athlete section on USA Weightlifting. You can look at how to qualify for stipends and all that stuff. It just got approved in the last month, so it did change from the last quad. Um, so for us, it was my biggest thing um, I needed to do was get on stipend because, as you said, I quit my job. I quit my full-time job at the end of 2020. So we've gone three years without my salary, without health insurance, without a lot of things. We have made a lot of sacrifices without a working oven. <laughs> we have made just because we are small business owners and we had to put those investments in our business first rather than just me. Um so we got the gym to a position where we were able to, for me to leave, but I didn't have that same pay. So for us financially, it was very like to give us breathing room. And so that I was picking up extra shifts still. So while I wasn't working full-time per se, I still have to pay bills. <laughs> um, and so I was picking up as much as I could cover to make sure that we were, were always okay. Um, and our gym covers most of that, but emergencies happen, things like that. So anytime there's an influx in life, you've got, and gym businesses fluctuate, you know? Um, so all that to say, the finance side of things was very big for us and having to pay for my coach to come. So I was covered as an athlete for Pan Ams. So every competition is different. Sometimes certain delegations cover certain things. Um, but there's just international meets are the same as any other meet. So you still have your registration fees for coaches, for athletes. You still have all those little, your travel fees. All of that still applies. Um, you're not just traveling with Team US. So for us, I was covered at Pan Ams, but Cord was not. Um, even though I was ranked in the top 10. So the stipend system, you are gold level. There's different tiers to it. I don't know all the tiers. I just know the one I was going for. The top tier is you are Olympic eligible athlete. Um, so you get that, like the highest compensation, all of that, because you are the top tier athlete that they're looking to get you qualified. They want, this is your full-time job. 
So you are um, at the top level funding, you get um, your coach gets to go to all of your, it says, um, what is it? I forget the wording, but essentially any competition I need or want to do, he is paid for, for as well. Um, which obviously we're only going to use those for like, those are only international levels. I don't, I don't think I could be wrong. I don't think that includes like nationals and stuff. Um, could be wrong, but, uh, I do know from here on out, like we're looking at flights to Qatar and Saudi Arabia where like, we're going to be going the end of the year. You're looking at 10 grand for a trip. And so we're looking at an extra 20 or 30 grand this year. And like, we don't have that sitting around. We barely had a couple grand sitting around just to go to, um, down to Argentina. And so we had done a fundraiser and I know I got some messages about that. Um, people were like, well, why he should be covered? Like, why are you trying to take money from people? And I'm like, I'm not, and he is not covered. I, you know, and I will openly tell you this, like, no, we need the money for him to come with me because we have to pay. Um, just this, that one time, that was the whole point of the trip. Um, so once you hit the total has to be done internationally. So nationally does not matter. So I had done what I needed to technically at finals to be funded, but I was not funded because, Mm. um, it was national. It wasn't, it wasn't at worlds. It wasn't, you know, at a big meet that was international level and it can be at any level. So it could, I'm pretty sure like it can be a smaller event. It doesn't have to be pain ants or anything like that, but you have to post to be the top tier funded top 10 in your weight class in the world um, total. So like, even though like Taylor's name or my name will show up on the top 10, only one of us will be there. We're both funded. We both get paychecks. We're both, it's not like, it's just on the OQR that you're looking at only one U S athlete is going to be listed, but that doesn't mean as long as we're both hitting, I think previously, and now it might be updated. It was only a two twelve or two eleven total to be in the top 10. Um, so like we selected my openers for PAMs at two twelve solely for that. It had nothing to do with what I'd been doing in training or what I needed. It was, or medals. It was, that was goal number one because we needed to set ourselves up so we could breathe. And so I could work less so I can focus on training more. Um, so my relationship with you saw now is I am, um, like a 1099 athlete for them and I get paid monthly and, um, that lessens some stress on us, which again, like the goal is for me to not have to be able to do this as a full-time job. I only work right now because I have to, uh, like side jobs. Um, I would love to be an athletic trainer still, but I can't do that while I'm doing what we're doing. So you saw is kind of like essentially my employer, my contract employer. Um, and we have to like report in readiness. So you have to, I'm sure y'all have seen like posts and stuff. Um, but you have to, they give you a date and it's normally like four, four ish weeks out from competition. They want to make sure you're roughly at 90% of the total that you qualified on. Um, and that's just to make sure, like, if you're injured, they get an alternate ready. Like, it's to make sure you're doing your job. I mean, it's to me, I look at this as like, it's my dream job. I have to hit certain. I did my interview, that was finals. I had my first day on the job, that was Pan Am. <laughs> and now I have to keep, keep, you know, reporting and turn your reports into your job and make sure you're doing it. That's all it is. That's how I look at it. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, you can get bonuses for 
medals and stuff like that. So that was very nice uh, to, we didn't go into Pan Am's. Like I said, we weren't prepping for medals. We were just prepping for those openers. And then anything else after that was cherry on top. Um, so it was lots of cherries were on top. It was a good day. <laughs> um, but yep, you get funded, you get bonuses. I don't know how it works for every meet, if it's every international meet or only Pan Am's Worlds that the bonuses work for. I haven't looked that deep into it. Um, like I said, the contract, it just came out in the last month. Um, so yeah, that's how it goes. It must be a lot of stress. What, what I kind of started thinking about is like, I mean, you have to be top 10 in the world. And a lot of times you're looking at those weight classes. You see the people from China, the people from Kazakhstan, the people from Turkey. And it's like, well, you have to do this. And I know you posted yesterday, somebody knocked on your door in the morning to get blood drawn. Yes. So they have like this advantage that you're not well, going to be able IWF, to have. that was the IWF actually. This time it was that. This is my first IWF test. <laughs> so USADA okay. is always testing it. So we do have that. Like Team USA is clean. Like we popped our own people. You've all seen it in the last couple months. Um, we are very strict with our policies i've been tested since 2017 just as many times as maddie rogers has like I, we looked it up because i was just curious i was like i'm like i've been like b team like are they testing a team and b team as much because i know she complains about how much she or comments on um how much she's tested and like because people will still ask you because you're you're strong as a guy you know that's what pe you get i get and i'm like yeah because it's my full-time job and I've worked nine to 10 years to get here, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you could train for like two months and probably be as strong as me and it's okay. Uh, but all that to say, uh, we are tested not just by Team USA, but also by an international agency. And that's who was at my door who we did not, I didn't recognize them. I know my local rep. I did not know these people and I was half asleep and I made my husband come home. I would not answer the door. <laughs> I told him, I was like, you have a break between classes. I need you to come. There's some man at the door. He's looking at the cameras. We couldn't see because of how their logo was on their shirt. Couldn't see. And I wouldn't have recognized it. And so we were like, mm, no, just don't trust people these days. <laughs> and it's 7 a.m. and you're not banging. Like they were banging on my door. And the dogs were going nuts. It was wild. So, but yeah. How many times have you actually been tested since 2017? I'm curious. Oh, I don't know. I haven't counted. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head. But um, I would say, like, in competition, every competition, I've been tested. Minus 2021 nationals because I bombed. Um, they didn't pull me there. But every competition that I've done nationally for the last, you know, since nationals 2019, I've been tested. I, I wasn't really tested in 2018, so I wasn't really eligible for anything. Um, but... Yeah, I would say at minimum, I would say 15 or under, somewhere okay. in there. So it's yeah. not like a crazy amount. It's not like they're showing up every It will week. be more now that I'm setting American records and competing internationally. Like they normally, from what I've seen, they're going to test you normally before competition at some point, at competition, and then after. So <laughs> there is no like... People say it's cycle on, cycle off. Like other countries, yes, they are. Um, I cannot confirm that fully, but they are. They don't have USADA like we do. They're government funded and it's different. Um, 
but yeah. Yeah, I think I think Weightlifting House was saying that nobody from China has popped since like 2018, except for Lou. But uh, I mean, they're they're beating everybody else who's been popped during that time thousands of times. So that doesn't seem fishy to me at all yeah. that these people are clean. And they're all setting world records. Yeah, there's no proof. I have no proof on that. But we all know everything that's been going on with you know the IWF boards and all of that for the last couple of years, not just recently. But you know that there's been some corruption within, and I don't know what that means. I, I just know what I hear through social media. I have no intel on that. <laughs> I just know that there's things out there that, are happening that we don't have I don't know but I don't want to say too much because things that I don't have like I said I don't have proof of but there's enough to be suspicious we'll say that yeah I think the people listening they know they, they know <laughs> you don't have to say anything else I don't want to get you in trouble yeah I don't think I'll get in trouble but because I guess I have no proof I don't know I don't actually know anything <laughs> So what's next? What are you what are you prepping for? Um, because I know the international schedule is like it's a lot now. You have to yeah. you have to be competing a lot. So what do you have coming up? Um, so we have Grand Prix one, which is a mandatory Olympic qualifier in the next uh, five weeks. Um, so that'll be in Cuba. That's the next like most urgent on the docket, and then we have like a break for a little bit until the fall, which will be nice. Um, just because we kind of had to do two competition cycles back to back. Um, you have to, to be Olympic eligible. I don't know if everyone knows the qualification process, but to hold your eligibility, you have to compete in five Olympic qualifiers. And there was six of them. So worlds in December was the first qualifier. I didn't go cause I was not eligible to be on the team. And um, so I missed my one already. So I have to attend every single one coming up. So anyone that you're seeing now that has been on the world team, which I think I'm the only one that kind of snuck in, everyone else has been competed at worlds. They will, anyone you've seen compete thus far is Olympic eligible. Um, if anyone, like anyone you don't see at the Grand Prix, they're probably not eligible anymore. So they, they wouldn't, if they weren't at Pan Ans, like, like Shayla Moore, for example, because she's coming up to the 59 class. So she was at Worlds, but she was not at Pan Am's, so she missed one. And then she won't be at the Grand Prix. So now she's no longer eligible. And that is how, how to make Team USA. You need to be Olympic eligible comes first, and then they fill in after that. And on the women's side, we, we're just slam-packed full of Olympic eligibles. Um, so next for everyone that is planning to go or wants to try to qualify for the Olympics will be the Grand Prix one. And then we'll have Worlds, and then we'll have Grand Prix 2. And that's it for this year. So there's only technically two more competitions that you have to do. Now there is Pan Am Games in there, um, that, but it's not an, an Olympic qualifier. So no one has to do that per se. Um, and they only take four to that. So we'll see who ends up going there. I think I'm sitting in the number three spot right now for that team, but I don't know, you know, that. That'll change. Grand Prix, I think, is the last qualifier for that. Um, I would go just because I need experience at this level. Um, and I don't necessarily have to peak for that. I can just do it as a training meet. 
then we'll all have a competition. Um, I think it's Grand Prix one for 2024. That will be the final Olympic qualifier that we'll all do. But most urgently we have, that's the international schedule too. I don't, I shouldn't need to do any national competitions. Um, I don't know if I'll pop in at any. I'm just going to leave that. And I know you you guys are building your team too. So you, you have a lot of people who are starting to qualify for finals and AO series, which is cool. So you do get to do that. Maybe it's a little bit less. Maybe it's more stress though, watching, uh, watching your team. Coaching is way more stressful because I know how I'm going to respond to things. A lot of our teams, so like we have a, like a good bit of our team. I would say like 50% of it are like OGs that have been doing it since we started in 2019. So we have our like our set competitors that we know how they compete. And we have people who are still learning how to compete. Um, so that side of it to me as like like on the like, coaching side of it is hard because I'm like, well, you'll it takes time to figure it out, but I can't tell you how you're gonna compete. Like anyone can listen to this podcast, I'm like, oh well, Danielle likes to do, you know, X, Y, and Z and and this is how she mentally preps, and I'm gonna do that. That doesn't mean it's gonna work for you because we're not the same person. um and so i think for that like it's as and a lot of these people like some of our some of them are like our good friends too so it's hard because like you want to see them succeed not only as an athlete but also as like one of their best friends so Mm -hmm. that side of it is hard and like because you can't tell someone who they are as a competitor that's like a journey of your own and it's cool to watch unfold, but it's also that like sucky side where you watch them bomb and you watch, you know, you watch those hard trials that they have to go through or like some people say you don't have to bomb, but like it's going to happen <laughs> at some point. And so just seeing that side of things um, unfold kind of sucks, um, but it also gives you a teaching moment where you can say, okay, like these are the tools I've used. It doesn't mean they're going to work for you. Like for me, I need to be serious. I need to be honed in. I don't want anyone talking to me when I compete. Just leave me alone and let me do my job. That's what I want to do. Versus like I have lifters who they want to I need you to be joking with them and talking with them. And having a team, you have all these different personalities. And you can't coach every athlete the same exact way. Like you, everyone is different. So you can't say, oh, well, I coach this way. You know, like, no, you have to coach, you're, you're in a people sport. So you have to coach those people. Um, so learning how each person is going to respond, what they need, like, I'll literally be like, do you need slaps? Do you want slaps? I'm like, no. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to ask, cause I don't know what you need. We're going to figure this out. And I'll say like, I'll tell Cord, like, I don't want them this time. Like I changed my mind based on how I'm feeling. Or I'll be like, I need some hard slaps this time. Or like. <laughs> I'll be like gentle slaps. So everyone has like those different things. Some people want ammonia. Like we have one lifter who's like, he's a showman. And so he wants to like, he loves when like he's being announced and he like paces the stage and like, he just like, that's how he's a presence and he likes to perform. And then it's also learning the different levels. So like some people compete one way at the national level and then they go or local level. And so it's like, we have a kid who is likely going to be on team USA in the next year or two um, given how things go locally, <laughs> he's a showman. He's doing backflips. He's having fun. He went to his first national competition six months into weightlifting. 
he goes to finals and he's with guys who are very similar in strength and you're actually competing. You're not on your, like I, like I've been on your own clock anymore. You know, you're having to actually compete and you have different feelings that come up (laughs) and it's not necessarily intimidation or anything like that. It's just different. And he came off that stage and was like, Oh yeah, mm, this is, I need to figure this out. And we're like, yeah. And that's all it is. You figure it out. You don't have to be perfect. You just show up and figure it out. So having lifters like that of different personality, different comp- comp- like competitive levels, like because he was thrown into his first national meet for medals. And we didn't put that pressure on him by any means. We just said, you know, you make your lifts, you set yourself up. That's all we're going to leave it at. And, but he also knows how good he is. So he knows like, all right, I could medal in this. And like, you're always he's not the kind of kid that's going to put that pressure on himself, but like he's going to want a shot at it. So you have to learn how to deal with all these different feelings. And like, as a coach, you have to figure out like for me, Arnold, the Arnold was so stressful. I was told, so you're talking about like reflecting back on the team USA relationship. They do like comment in on what they want of you. So I was told I didn't need to go to the Arnold I didn't need to do the rogue stage to say no to all of those because it was too close to Pan Am's and they knew I was going to be cutting weight. But they don't know me. That's the thing. So that's what they advised. But I don't have to necessarily listen. I was told it's up to us ultimately. Um, and in retrospect, I would have gone um, because I could have had my, my spot taken from me. I was the lower ranked 59 at the time. Um and Shayla put some big lifts up there and she was knocking on the door <laughs> and I wasn't there to compete and counter um, because I was advised not to, cause you're safe. Right. Um, so we learned our lesson there as an athlete and as a, like, I'm not like our head coach. I'm just like, I help. Um, but I am over our weight cuts and I have, you know, I have athletes that, they come back from injuries and stuff like that. And they're underneath me. So I can make sure that they're ready before they get turned over to cord. And I had one of those athletes there and our athlete I was talking about that is meddling. His name's Ferg. People have heard of him. <laughs> He's out there. Um, so Colby Ferguson's out there and he had gone off to college. We got him in with NMU and he was supposed to be training up there. He's from the South. Like we are. And he was not used to the northern food. So he preferred the pizza. So we can guess <laughs> where his, his weight was. So I would normally handle all of the weight stuff and the food and telling him what exactly to eat. And all of these things, that's my department. But I wasn't there. I sent Cord up by himself because I didn't need to travel. I was trying to adhere to what Team USA was advising us to do and be a good athlete. Um, but I'm pretty sure I lost a whole kilo that day with him. Because I was freaking out over, I had an athlete who she bombed for her first time. Um, She, I I had, and her weight, she was, had a scale that was finicky and no one thought to bring a scale. All these things like that would be me were happening. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, like someone should have a scale. Someone should have these things. And like, I didn't think like cord left at 5am. I didn't double check his back. I didn't like, there was all these things that like, we just did not we're a team and it was very clear that we need to stay a team on the coaching side of things. Even as I'm a competitor, is it just, it stresses me out more not being able to be the person like that's there. So 
I think we had Ferg cut th- two or three kilos that morning and before competing. And then I have a whole rehydration process. I have a whole thing. I know it works. I know it's good. And it was not followed. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but like the coaching side of things being there to me is less stressful than not. So we're learning that side still. We're still navigating all of that. But, but yeah. Yeah, it really sounds like when you're talking about Team USA and you have to do all these things to keep your spot, and it's it's very stressful in that sense, but also you love this sport, like when it comes down to it. Oh, yes. I literally was like jumping up and down yesterday coaching someone. I don't even – he's not on our team. Um, I'll sub in and help coach out uh, locally. There was a guy um, – I've coached him at all his local meet, and he, he lives for East Coast Gold. And we have a good relationship with that team. And they're like, hey, like he's going to be, he just happens to be at most of the competitions we're at. And I just end up coaching him. He does great every time I coach him. Um, so, and this, we've, I've literally said this to Leo Totten himself. And I've said, said it to the, this athlete that I just need to go with you whenever you go nationally and coach you only as a meat coach, just because it just seems to work. But I don't, train with this guy I don't watch him lift ever other than at local meets but because I love this sport and I know what these lifts mean as an athlete I'm sitting there you see me like jumping up and down I'm down in a squat with him like I'm screaming I'm yelling like he's not our people but he's a weightlifter and I know what these lifts mean and so to me like I don't care what team you are who you are like I just love this sport and I'm gonna be pumped for you (laughs) Um, that's just, just me. I don't know. Something about the sport. <laughs> that's awesome. I love yeah. it. I think, I think that's super important. Like you can, you can have this job, like, like you said, your dream job, or mm-hmm. some people might have it just because they're super talented and they have genetics to, to be there. But I don't think you're really going to last in this sport if you don't have the other factors. Yep. Or you start to resent it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm yep. sure that would be easy for Whatever, you to as do. much as it as it takes out of you. Like I know what I've sacrificed, what I've given to this sport to make it all worth it. Like I can only imagine someone who maybe you don't have to make the same sacrifices, but the demands on your body and your time. You're not you're not going to thrive as much as others who are enjoying what they're doing. You can you know outwork talent anytime. Where can people follow you if I, if they want to stay up to date? I know you, the Grand Prix is coming up pretty soon. so And you post a lot of your training. I, I do want to say that you are the most genuine athlete on social media. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I don't, I don't know. I don't do it on purpose. It's just, I don't know. It's just who I am. I like honesty. Um, but And I'm on overshare, clearly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I am on Instagram at Danielle Gunnan. I don't think there's anything. Let me double check. I don't think I have. It's Danielle. If there is, I'll just put it in the show underscore. Notes. Yeah, Danielle underscore Gunnan. That is where I am. Awesome. Well, good luck coming mm-hmm. up. Um, I'm sure everybody will be watching. And yeah, it's just it's awesome. Like having you on the podcast a couple years ago, and then seeing this progression, and it like. You're here for a reason. Like you, you were meant to be doing the things that you're doing now. Some people might have jumped in on the journey, like see you at Pan Am's, and it's like, no, yeah. you've been, you've been putting in your time. We've in been this here. Sport. That's what. <laughs> yes. 
And they're like, oh, where'd this girl come from? Because I know I was getting looks from especially international lifters. Like, they don't know who I am. Meanwhile, people in the U.S. who pay attention, like, they know I've been, like, lurking around. I just haven't had my opportunity yet. <laughs> um, but it was funny just to see the reactions in the training halls and stuff of, like, they're watching, trying to figure out, like, what weight class you're in? Who the heck is this person? Like, <laughs> And so I'll still have that going into Grand Prix because it's only really the Pan-American teams who have seen me. Um, so it'll be cool just to, I don't know. I like flying under the radar. I don't need recognition. So for me, it's more fun just being like, ah, I'm just lifting. And then people are like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it, it changes a lot when 100 gets loaded on the bar. Yeah, I don't think people were expecting. I know when we called for it, like in our pre-meeting, Piros, uh, like you meet and you talk about your game plans and all of that. Um, Piros and like kind of like looked because he doesn't know me. Team USA doesn't know me. Like Mike Gatone knows me as a person, but not as a lifter, not as a competitor. Really, like we've spoke. They don't coach me. They don't know me. And so for them, like they saw what we asked for, and they were like you really want those attempts? Like you're going to take a hundred and we're like, yeah, they're like, you're going to do a four kilo jump. We're like, yeah. And like, even in the back, they're like 99. And I, Cord looked at me he's like, do you want 99? And I was like, I want whatever your gut is telling you and I'm going to lift it. And he goes, okay. And uh, he goes over, he goes, we're doing a hundred. And so like, they're, they, they're going to learn me as a competitor as well, but it's still funny seeing the reaction where they're like, you want what? And you're like, just trust me. And then to prove that trust, that was another, that was very nice to do. <laughs> but <laughs> that's thanks. awesome. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you so much for coming back on. Um, yeah. always appreciate Anytime. talking to you. Of course.